0: When it comes to disciple making and church multiplication throughout the world, one of the more influential voices has been Jeff Sundell. Jeff has spent a significant amount of time in India and in Nepal and has returned to the States and been serving here for the past several years involved in disciple making and church planting as well. His voice continues to grow within this context and has had extensive influence in various parts of this country. Jeff is my guest on this episode of Strike the Match. So with that in mind, let's...
1: Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D.
0: Hey, thanks for being a season two listener to Strike the Match. You guys know if you've been keeping up with uh, this season that uh, you can get 41% off one of my latest books, uh, To the Edge Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission, and Innovation. Uh, if you'll go to the Create Space website, just simply Google my name, Create Space To the Edge and uh, you can check out the book there once you get to the uh, checkout counter. You will want to enter in this code uh, to get the book at 41% off. The code is J48ZZ7EU. That is J48ZZ7EU. Hope you guys check it out. Thanks so much for listening. One of the things that I am excited about uh, when it comes to looking at the world of um, uh, gospel advancement, church multiplication, disciple multiplication, movements that are happening in and in, in, in throughout the world, uh, is that uh, there has been a growing number for for several years now of people within a North American context that are are learning from our brothers and sisters in. Uh, in majority world uh, places, and they're seeking to contextualize some of uh, these disciple-making, uh, church-planting approaches uh, here in in the West, particularly within the North American context. And one individual over time uh, whose name has come to my attention, but I've never had a chance to, to, to meet and get to know until just recently, uh, is Jeff Sundell. Uh, I would uh, be with people in different parts of the country and and they would say well J.D., you need to you get, need to get to know who Jeff is and Um, He's some guy that lives in some holler in North Carolina, and uh, it's like, well, do they even have internet there? I don't know. Uh, My dad grew up in a holler in Kentucky, and so uh, you know, I know about hollers. I know about hollers, Jeff. But um, today on uh, Strike the Match, uh, I have Jeff uh, here in my cozy little closet of an office, and uh, we're going to hang out for a few moments uh, talking about uh, what the Lord's been doing uh, through his ministry. I know for some of you that are listening to this podcast, you're familiar with Jeff, and you've been keeping up with his ministry uh, for some time. You're involved in in much of the the training that he has been doing. Uh, But for some of you, uh, I recognize that uh, this is a a new name and uh, will be a new voice to you. And I hope it's one that you will uh, uh, listen to. Uh, You will uh, seek to understand more of what he is saying and what he has been doing, because I think it um, it will be something that will be a great blessing to you uh, in your ministry and be used by the Lord in powerful ways to see his gospel advance. Uh, Jeff Sundell calls home, uh, in the United States right now, uh, uh, Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, However, for uh, many years he served in India and in Nepal working among unengaged people groups. Uh, in 2009, he came back to the States and has been training uh, to strategically engage people groups uh, in cities and ge- different geographical areas uh, through church planting. Uh, he's presently the director for uh, director of U.S. Strategies for E3 Partners and also is involved in their training as well. Uh, and so, uh, Jeff, uh, man, I tell you what, it's honored to have you here uh, in the closet today. So <laughs> welcome to Strike the Match. Yeah,
1: thank you. Well, um, JD, it's great to be with you. And um, I, we, funny little thing is, I live in Booger Holler, North Carolina. My Booger wife, Booger Holler, Booger Holler, <laughs> but my wife lives in Shelby, North Carolina. Now somehow we still live in the same household, <laughs> um, but Shelby's 20 miles from where we live. But uh, she will not uh, take the name Booger Holler. i so, take uh, the name Booger. Haller. I'm proud of it, though. Beautiful there, place.
0: There we go. <laughs> my my dad uh, and and uh, and his his. His siblings, his uh, uh, mom, uh, lived in a place uh, in southeastern Kentucky called Bertha Holler. But knowing how we speak, I grew up in, in Appalachia as well, uh, knowing how we speak, uh, you know, we don't call it the way it's spelled, and so everyone pronounced it birthy. Berthy. Berthy Holler. So he's from Berthy Holler. So there you go, man. So maybe we got we got a, kind of a kindred connection there to Hollers. So yeah. Or Hollows for those of you well educated people yeah. listening. <laughs> there you go. Jeff, tell us about your about yourself for those uh, folks that are listening that you know may not mm-hmm. be aware uh, of, of of you and what you've been doing. I know we're going to get into some of those things related yeah. to strategy and church playing training, but what are some other things we may need to know about you
1: yeah well um when we we were in south asia we were spent most of our time at least the last few years wrapping up engaging um unengaged unreached people groups and that's just been really uh, my heartbeat um and then i love uh, of course love um, church planning and just sort of digging in the word and just being as close as we can possibly um biblically to the word and just uh uh, sheer enjoyment. We had a wonderful 10 years um, in South Asia with the board and incredible board experience. Being... The, the I, International Mission Board, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Okay. Just an incredible um, experience, uh, great training, great leadership. And uh, we uh, felt very um, blessed to have that. And that's just um, really shaped a lot of us coming back to the U.S. and... Um, when we came back to the U.S., uh, I told my wife, "I said, I'm not going to get a job. Um, I'm gonna. I got to do what I was doing in South Asia here." And um, uh, it didn't sound very responsible, but uh, it all worked out. We didn't have any skills after being in South Asia for so many years. So you didn't get really good jobs, but <laughs> God provided, and. Um, in the midst of that, we, we did begin to roll this out, in Booger Holler just felt like we had to go do it. And the interesting thing about the U.S. context is unless you go do it and actually experience it, um, people have a hard time just imagining mm-hmm. it. So we began to see some interesting things in Booger Holler and Rutherford County, and God uh, gave us some incredible opportunities. Um, where some people came to faith. There was a little bit of multiplication, began to see a few church planted, more among, among say, the redneck tribe, <laughs> a particular unengaged, unreached people group. Now, did there. you have to
0: take a Rosetta
1: Stone course
0: to learn <laughs> that English dialect? We, yeah, we
1: worked on the dialect <laughs> <Okay>. there. <laughs> so um, but uh, so it, what was interesting out of that is then in the midst of that, I was invited to um, Houston, and, and I think that's where God just really broke my heart Because I really was struggling, what am I doing here in the U.S.? And um, was just just struggling, God, why why am I here? Um, Why am I not in South Asia? Mm. And the thing that really struck me in Houston is we went out, and we went out with... uh, uh, Jim Slack had invited us to go out, and we're out in the community. And I began to just see just street after street full of people from the Middle East, from North Africa, and uh, 49 Buddhist temples and mm. uh, mosques and Hindu temples. And for me, it, it ignited me, excited me. And so I, I began to just sort of uh, research a little bit and learn from what these guys were learning around the nation. And a and thing that just struck me and, and you get all kind of statistics, but one that just really struck me one day was 187 cities would become majority-minority mm. in the next, say, 17 years or so. And and I began to just think, wow, our, our nation is changing. And um, and just what an incredible opportunity this could be. And my, my heartfelt need was, man, I want to go reach out to these unengaged, unreached people groups immediately. And that's really where we tried to go initially. And... Um, but as we began to bring this conversation up across the nation, God was providing opportunities—one with local churches and associations, and uh, various opportunities—and and it's, it's meant with uh, different views. Hmm. You know, so some people, when they look at this, they look at this is going on in our cities as a political problem, mm-hmm. right. and um, and I and I and that's where I would sort of press in a little bit into the church and just say I don't really think this is a political problem. Uh, This is a spiritual problem. Hmm. Uh, God has these nations around the globe that have not heard the gospel and you know I can remember sharing the gospel in South Asia and you talk about Christ and you might share creation of Christ and somebody would respond and say you know he doesn't live in this village but maybe the next one. Hmm. Well, now mm-hmm. these people are at our doorstep. Yeah. And to to relegate that to a political problem, that was some of the response of the church. And so now this is a spiritual problem. It's a Great Commission problem that we need to press in and engage these uh, people who are now at our doorstep. Right. Some of the most unreached in the world. And it's amazing when you look at the... Uh, Western European context in the U.S. and Europe and how God is rearranging more or less the whole 1040 window Mm -hmm. into Europe right now and into cities in the U.S. So we have this incredible opportunity Mm -hmm. to engage um, in the gospel and uh, with people that have never heard and so that's where my heart was. Um, The other response was I think there's a lot of wonderful Loving Loud where we're loving on immigrants in the communities um, but when I you'd look around, there just wasn't much church planting. Right, and so that that's what really stirred me is to say, man, how can we get a church planting? Yeah. Um, but some of the response was that I don't know. In, in my sense, the church wasn't necessarily ready to plant churches because. Um, one of the things, another sort of response in the church, um, I remember a man at a job site that uh, I know, and he met somebody from a Buddhist country, and you know and he was he was telling me something sharing a gospel with him, and he said, yeah, if you don't turn to jesus you 're going to go to hell mm-hmm. and well, the problem with that that's're we've so become natural to a bumper sticker gospel right. yeah. versus really engaging people with the gospel mm-hmm. and he just said, man we we've got to equip the body." with a way to share the gospel. Yeah. And so um God sorta of took me off route where I wanted to go, which is to engage, unengage unreach people groups. Yeah. And God just said, I want you to serve the church for a season, mm. to honor the bride and um serve her. And so we've been just crisscrossing the country, a number of us, training anybody we can, just essentially how to share your story, mm-hmm. Jesus' story, how to make disciples. And, and it sounds a little odd, but I, I think what's happened over the last couple of years is there's a there's a new openness that I feel I like can sense in the last several years of an openness to disciple-making. Mm-hmm. Some of that's just flat out the Holy Spirit's doing that. Doesn't have anything to do with sure, Jeff yeah. or anybody else. We're taking advantage of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Is mm-hmm. what we're doing. But I do think it's just God's timing with all of what's happening in our cities. And um, so I think as we've been doing this... Um, we've been able to cast vision for the nations. Mm-hmm. So and we've been able to cast vision for what's going on in our city. As people go out and they realize, wow, how did I not see this guy at Walmart? Yeah, yeah. How did I not see this guy in the neighborhood and mm-hmm. this guy in the workplace? And here I am, the nations are all around me. Yeah. And so the last several years, that that's really where we focused in. And, and we're going to keep focusing in mm-hmm. on serving the bride. Yeah. And we want to honor the bride. And that's going to keep happening. But God just recently has sort of put me back saying, Hey, I want you to go back and focus on the unengaged unreached yeah, people groups that's
0: correct you know as you' were talking the the you know passage that comes to my mind you know acts 17 26 and 27 mm-hmm. Paul's there at Mars Hill you know he he and he made from one man every nation of mankind mm-hmm. to dwell on the face of the earth and having determined their you know allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place and and the reason is so that they might find him they may seek mm-hmm. him or grope for him and um and to think that that we are right now in this season in, in world history, uh, you know, a, cut, a country that's 26, 25 percent evangelical uh, and some of the, the world's unreached and even unengaged peoples are moving into these cities mm. is, is great. So, so when you say that there are churches and others that are starting to catch a vision mm. for reaching the nations, I'm really, really encouraged to hear that. Let me ask you a question, because um, it doesn't take long um, when I'm, I'm hanging around people that know you or reading something online that, that you've been connected to, um, you, uh, you you often see uh, the language such as four fields that keep coming up, four fields, mission strategy, uh, and then you know, a phrase uh, that, that Nathan Shank and I talked about mm-hmm. on a previous podcast, no place left. Mm-hmm. Um, those terms for a lot of my listeners uh, will be unusual, mm. and and I think they really need to know what what it, what that means and what's going on because mm. I think you're really onto something. So maybe we should start with like, what's this four field strategy?
1: Yeah, and um, you know the the revelation, of course, Revelation five nine seven nine, and that sense of every nation, tribe, and tongue one day will cry out, "Holy, holy is the Lamb." You know, is is that 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 dream that all of us want to be part of, finishing the task and involved in that. But um, we were in, in essentially in South Asia. We'd be doing the Acts study with our national partners, and and we would be looking through the Book of Acts, and we would look through the Epistles, and we'd look through Luke. And you know, one of those phrases that uh, really we picked up from. Um, a, a meeting that we were at, and and I, Nathan really has uh, ran with it in South Asia. The hmm. group of nationals did it. Really didn't have to. I'm, I'm not that smart to pick up on these things. <laughs> but Romans fifteen twenty three, and and when you're thinking about that, and you think about four fields, and you, you get to the the this picture in um, Acts chapter twenty. Of uh, Paul's bringing these leaders together, and and some of these leaders are maybe men he won to Christ. Others are ones who were discovered. Others were folks that he you know had uh, you know through relationship. We we call it swarm training, team training. These guys didn't do anything. They're imitating Jesus more or less in these teams, and he brings them together from all these regions. And he's sitting there and he's, he's preparing them that he's done. He's, he's finishing up this. He's getting ready. He, of course, he writes the book of Romans in this season and he's getting ready to push on over into Europe into a new place. And we go into Romans chapter 15 and uh, Paul says that um, he's preached the gospel fully and that the Gentiles are obeying the word, uh, obeying God's word in word and deed. And so we, when you look at this, what, what we see is those five key parts of what we would see in what we call the four fields. Mm-hmm. And so we see this picture of there's been the gospel has been proclaimed. It's been proclaimed in regions where the gospel didn't exist yet mm-hmm. um, or hadn't been proclaimed yet. Disciples have been made. Every church that Paul has left behind in Acts 20 in the three journeys is now done, and he's finished, and leadership is established. So churches are left behind, uh, elders are appointed, leaders are established. So when you're looking at this, you see this beautiful picture literally of four fields at the end of Acts 20 and Romans 15 when the book of Romans is written. And then Paul goes on to make this incredible statement that there's no place left mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me in these regions. Yeah. And, and it, it just, I think it just caught the, when we think about South Asia and the complexities of all the unengaged, unreached people groups and just the complexity of, just a village can literally have uh, 20, 30, sometimes 40. Of course, a village there can be hundreds of thousands yeah, yeah. of people. <laughs> <laughs> and you can have 20, 30, 40 different people groups in a village. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and so you begin to think about this phrase of, could there be no place left one day mm-hmm. in Calcutta? Could there be no place left one day? in New Delhi, where every single people group, every single geographical area, every single uh, segment of population gets to hear the gospel. And so that has just resonated as a rally cry, I Mm. think, here in the U.S. and our cities as we began to look at cities and began to look at the complexity of the cities of here are these people groups that have moved into our cities, that there's no... um, I take, for instance, Charlotte, North Carolina, and I, I can... I don't, day in, day out, I would say very, very few South Asians in the last five years would hear the gospel from somebody's mouth to their ear. Mm -hmm. The great thing is now there's an awareness Mm -hmm. that's come up. And it's even amazing to see God raising up workers now. I think one through prayer. There's been a lot of prayer for workers to be mobilized. Mm -hmm. And you're beginning to see more people daily beginning to hear the gospel among South Asians, for instance, just in Charlotte, North Mm -hmm. Carolina. And so that sense of could there be a day in Charlotte, North Carolina, mm-hmm. where every single people group, every single we have 216 languages in Charlotte, North Carolina mm-hmm. Wow! And so that's not the way it was 40 years ago. Yeah, it's Charlotte. It's that not New
0: York or L.A. It's no. Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. No,
1: and who knows how many people groups are tied up among yeah. all those people. So here's this incredible opportunity. And so I think what's so powerful about the No Place Left is it's not a reality that has yet come, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a reality of where we can push forward and press to to have an idea, are we moving the right direction? Yeah. And and the, in the end, it's that that vision of man, we, we want to be there worshiping Christ and saying, mm-hmm. Holy, holy is the Lamb, yeah. worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. But until then, we're gonna push for no place left. Yeah. And then when he's ready to come or he's ready to take me, and any of the rest of us, man, that's what we want to push for. So that's sort of the how that 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 rally cry yeah. of no place left has emerged in i don't even know how many cities now it's it's literally um it's spread across the u.s into europe uh, numerous places um, and uh... The, the next steps is implementation of the four fields
0: so and and so the the four field strategy to kind of kind of recap it it, it involves a process of sowing and then seeing disciples made out of the harvest mm-hmm. obviously um, churches mm-hmm. you know established being taught their leaders raised up, and then that multiplying effect taking place. Am I, am I summarizing that correctly?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, just a great, to me, illustration um, is uh, a, a man was equipped with these tools, and he was out in the community, and he asked, if God could do American life today, what is it? And if mm-hmm. so, can I pray for you? And this lady uh, from India said, my son has uh, Down syndrome. Would you pray when we go back to India he'd be treated well? And then he proceeded to share the gospel and invited himself to her home, and and so she um, he she uh, says, "Well, I need to talk to my husband." Mm -hmm. And so this man uh, invites them into their home, and they begin to gospel this uh, particular family. And then this man immediately, as he is beginning to be gospeled and discipled, um, he's act he's essentially asked by uh, Ken to go and implement this among his friends there at the particular university. And then he begins to implement and gospel. Now several months later, uh, this family comes to Christ. And then um, a few months later, he actually brings some Chinese students Hmm. to Christ. And then he brings some Indians to Christ. And then in the end, we we were sitting, and and maybe he's six months into his faith um, there in uh, South Carolina, and we pull out finishing the task list. Of the unengaged unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. And we pull it out and say, now do you know any of these people groups here? Oh yes, I know seven, eight right here.
0: Off off that un- unreached people group list that we have? Yes. Yeah.
1: And and it's like, well, can you help us go there and share the gospel with them? Mm. No problem. Yes, I'd be glad to. Mm. So he began to help folks right there begin to implement the gospel among unengaged, unreached people groups in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. And then the other thing is, is we were sitting there talking uh, with Ken down at this little barbecue shack. Um, Ken said, we're going to help you become a church planner. So when you go back to South Asia, you're not just going to go back and be a professor. Um, God's going to use you to multiply mm-hmm. uh, churches. And so it was exciting to see mm-hmm. how now this particular man is um, uh, back Wow. in his home country, and God's using him, and he's got a job, and he's working. And here's the cool thing is God sent him to a place uh, where there happened to be a school that had a special way to meet the needs of his son who had Down syndrome.
0: Really? Wow.
1: So, And, and so when you yeah. think about what God did through that, and now yeah. those Chinese have continued to multiply mm-hmm. there in that area and actually carried it back to China. Wow. About that, that? That potential lies in every city. Mm-hmm. And so we have a new way. I, you know, To me, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a wrinkle on the Great Commission with the way God's rearranged the mm-hmm. world that yeah. if we could mobilize the body of Christ mm-hmm. and get out there and cast those seeds, make disciples... Form churches among these folks, yeah. raise up leaders there, and then put a vision with them of no place left. Mm-hmm. Man, can you imagine what that would do for yeah. the Commission.
0: And and you know on your on your training materials, resources, the the the, the things that you guys are doing, um, I know that uh, that's several of our members of the Church of Brook mm-hmm. Hills with our engaged teams here in Birmingham, they're uh, they're benefiting from your all's training, mm-hmm. and then some of our church planning teams in other parts of the country are as well. Um, I've been very impressed with with how you guys are keeping things simple, highly reproducible, because we as a church have a, have a very high value of, in the US particularly, but also in other countries, uh, of sending people out as church planters uh, and remaining in their vocations. Mm-hmm. So they're transferring jobs or looking for jobs and, and moving uh, to work among unreached people groups. And, and what you guys are teaching and modeling is, is very simple. Um, it, it uses a lot of, I noticed a lot of, uh, uh, very simple graphics, kind of mm-hmm. like maybe it's from the orality movement yeah, or Bible yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's good stuff. I mean, teaching people, um, how to, how to share their faith, how to tell gospel stories mm-hmm. and, and you guys are getting people out in their training events. And then also when they're actually, you know, their local strategies, you have them out in the communities knocking on doors, Yeah. but we don't hear a lot about that today in, in the United States, uh, in particular about. Getting out in the communities and going door to door, but um, but I've been very impressed with with what you guys are doing. So that, that's exciting. Um, let me let me ask you a question about about North America, uh, Jeff, um, because I've had folks to to ask me on many occasions. They've that you and I I think share a similar missiology on, on a lot of these things, and um, and they people have heard me speak and they'll come and they'll say, well, well JD, um, yeah, what about what about here in North America? Uh, where where can you give me some examples of some stories that are happening here? And I know you just shared the one in, in South Carolina the guy who migrated, came to faith, went back. What are can you give us maybe some other examples of where you're seeing this because you guys often talk about not just people coming to faith in churches planet, but you 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 got this language of streams, like four streams and things like that which is really a way of saying there's this multiplying effect among different generations that are happening. So Mm -hmm. can you kind of maybe tell us a little about what's happening here in in North America and maybe talk about that? Because you guys are seeing Mm -hmm. generations planted out of the harvest. Yeah, And it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Well, um, again, this sort of goes back to where God shifted directions for me several years ago. The the thing that's uniquely different when you when you go into a place like India, I can be a catalyst, mm-hmm. and I can go in and catalyze something. And I don't necessarily I'm actually a hindrance if I get out in the harvest in a place like India because I'm a big fat man, and they they're going stone cold Steve Austin, and you know people want me to come in their home. And after I eat their dal bhat for about five six weeks, they're like, man, get the fat man out, you know. And it really it was a false indicator, you know. So so in a lot of ways, I can bring. Persecution and trouble in mm-hmm. places like that. So there you have to be more of a catalyst. Well, the interesting thing in the U.S. is if you don't do this zero to one, start with a lost person, share the gospel, make a disciple, mm-hmm. and equip them to be back in the harvest and to reach their sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just found in the U.S. context, and the European context, people won't listen to you. And um, now I, I, and so that People being those in the churches? Those yeah, those in the church. Those in churches, yeah. yeah, that it's it's not possible. Right. So we've really had to go in every city. There has to be a season where you go do this. Mm-hmm. And and you just got to persevere, you know? And so I'm no, sorry. Man, you're a popular
0: We're, guy. The, no, it's, that's, it's 1002. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm oh sorry. by the way, t- uh, t- let's, this is a great example, <laughs> great living example. Folks, you know that my podcasts are very raw and unscripted. <laughs> tell us what that means it's 10:02 central time here in birmingham alabama this morning as we're recording this your alarm just went off on your phone there's something strategic about that yeah
1: yeah we we have we've just been moved by the the this just we believe god's at work we believe he's out in the fields and the fields are ripe unto harvest and he's moving and working and um so one we, we believe that that's a promise from god that his holy spirit's attacking he's convicting he's working but the problem when we see and we look at Matthew 9 or Luke 10 or Luke 9, he says, Pray to the Lord, the Lord of the harvest to send forth mm-hmm. labors. Yeah. So we've been just praying for labors that every single unengaged, unreached people group, every city, every segment, that God would raise up labors. Mm-hmm. And um, the amazing thing is every time we've prayed this prayer, every single place that this prayer has been prayed over the years, um, God has raised up labors. Mm-hmm. And... Um, just just a quick example. And, but, but, but why is it going off at 10.02? 10.02, because it's Luke 10.2. Luke yeah. 10.2. Yeah, and um, the other one is Luke, uh, oh, of course, uh, Matthew 9.38, so some of my friends do 9.38, that okay. way if they go to bed a little earlier. Yeah. But just to be reminded, yeah. um, one, that we believe that God's at work, yeah. but two, the labors are in short supply. Yeah, pray the and, Lord of the harvest, would
0: send out labors into the harvest. Yeah, and... well. But, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Do you mind if I? I was getting ready to ask pray? you. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll jump back into our, our train of thought where we were before yeah, your no. alarm went yeah. off. So.
1: so, Father, we um, we praise you, Lord, that you're God, you're King of Kings and Lord of Lords, mm-hmm. and we're reminded again that you are working here in our country. You're mm-hmm. rearranging our country, and you're sending people from all over the world, mm-hmm. and they are hungry to hear and talk about spiritual things about mm-hmm. you. And, Father, the the problem is with workers. And so, Father, we just ask in Jesus' Mm -hmm. name that you would thrust forth laborers into every city, every community, every segment of society, so that they all have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from somebody's mouth to their ear. Mm -hmm. And, Lord, I ask in particular for South Asians that more South Asians in America would hear the gospel from somebody's mouth to their Mm -hmm. ear. And I ask this in Jesus' Mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.
0: So you you were talking about needing to go into the cities and yes. set an example for yes. season. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. So that's that's part of why you'll hear about us. Um, we, we go in and train, and then we just found that there's such a fear um, in in the community. I, I mean, among Christians, mm-hmm. of people don't want to have spiritual conversations. And so one of the things we do is we'll train somebody. We talk about reps. So we'll make them do a lot of reps. We go to the gym, we do a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. We go out and play golf, we do a lot of reps. We play basketball, a lot of reps. In the church, we don't do a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and regardless of how you interpret that passage, it says for equipping the saints to do the work. Mm-hmm. So one of the roles of the church and the body of Christ is to equip the saints to do the work. So we'll do like 10 reps, make them practice on the gospel. And then we go out in the community. And the amazing thing is God sets us up over mm-hmm. and over again. I think it takes down that little side of that fear mm-hmm. that's there. And then God opens up these doors. And we have these incredible conversations. Well, if you can go do that on the street, can you go do it in the workplace? Mm-hmm. Can you go do it with your family? Can you go do it with your neighbor? And can you think no place left in your neighborhood? Can you think, what if everybody began to own a sense of responsibility for their sphere of in- mm-hmm. influence? And they began to think and pray and act out on sharing the gospel and making dis- disciples till there was no place left mm-hmm. in their sphere of influence. And we lived with that thought to the dying day that this is my role to take the gospel to my sphere of the influence mm-hmm. and disciple them. So that's that's part of why in the training side, we've just felt like we had to go out and do it. And then after that, what we found is it tends to take about three touches. Now, it's either we're really bad trainers or some of it is it's just, it's a it's a really, it's a big paradigm shift. Yes. Yeah. So We just find it takes sometimes hearing things multiple times, so we'll go in a city, we try and get three touches in a community, get them out in the community, it lowers the fear level to say, wow, God is at work, God is moving, Mm -hmm. but then we also know, okay, we just now shared the gospel, and wow, somebody came to faith, what do we do next? And so the Mm -hmm. phone call comes. Well, now you start teaching them how to disciple. And we're, we're using storytelling. We just found storytelling works really well in mm-hmm. our context. So they begin sharing stories, learn to disciple. What do we do next? Yeah. And so it just takes it, it. just takes time. And we've just had to do it zero to one, mm-hmm. literally, in every city. Um, and just haven't found any way around that. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's been the big learning curve in the U.S. context. But the um, just to give you a rough idea... Um, and this is, I'll go back to where I was going with this, is we had to start just with, um, this had to work just among the average person people were around. Mm -hmm. And so we began to see disciples begin to multiply. First places like Booger Holler. Mm -hmm. We've seen them in Memphis. We've seen them down in uh, Columbia, Columbia, Georgia, uh, edge of Atlanta, up in Charlotte, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. So we've seen about 114 to 117 streams of third-generation disciples. What do you
0: mean by streams? What's that language mean? Yeah,
1: essentially that means that somebody who was far from God, heard the gospel, Mm -hmm. responded to the gospel, was equipped with the gospel, and then they were beginning to be disciple. but then they began to reach their sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. And they actually did the exact same thing in their sphere of influence and began to share the gospel, disciple their sphere of influence, and now our goal is really to get to fourth generation, but we're, we're at the stage where we're, we're getting consistently in numerous places to third generation, wow. so 114 mm-hmm. of those streams. Now, I'm saying those are disciple-making streams. Mm-hmm. Now, some are church-planting streams, um, and then some are, we have some folks who are not ready to plant churches, and mm-hmm. so they might be more like a group or a missional community. So it's a broad spectrum, but... For me, it's a good litmus test to know that, hey, things are moving the yeah. right way. Because if we can get multiplying disciples to go mm-hmm. um, down in generationally, it's a few more steps to go to church planning right. or to go to a missional community. Right. And um, I think the other thing that's just really exciting is we're, we, we have levels of training. And, and as we're training, um, we've, we call it a mid-level. That's here and there. But when we've come to these trainings, we've actually now had some of the people who've come to faith who are now coming up in leadership. Hmm, wow. And it's amazing to see a two-year-old, three-year-old believer who's been discipled. Because a lot of times we get excited and celebrate the fruit and, and praise God for the people coming to faith, mm-hmm. but we, gotta, we forget that the power in this is the long-term discipleship. It's That's that great. investment over the two, three years. Yeah. So it's been really encouraging now as we've done some of these trainings mm-hmm. to meet these new believers who are now firm in the Word of God Who've multiplied, mm-hmm. who've discipled others, and so it's just been a real encouragement. And then the real, the sort of where we're really trying to get to this is we have we've seen about seven, seventeen streams get the fourth generation church. Now we, we are dealing with some um, issues. Uh, I, let,
0: me, let me ask you to unpack this. So seventeen streams of fourth generation churches. So yeah. that means like this church is planted that in turn plants another church, plants another church, plants another church, and that's happened 17 times over. Yes. Wow.
1: Yeah. And now I want to share where we're struggling, though, because I think, see, obstacles are God's greatest opportunity to work. And every culture has different obstacles. And so the obstacles in Asia are vastly different in America. One of our obstacles here, and it, it, it actually affects everything we do, our sphere of influence, say, in particular among an Anglo community, is very segmented or very small. Mm -hmm. And we what would have been primary relationship in a place, say, like India or the Latin Latin community where you have this sphere of influence around family is a very natural way to reach people. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't exist in most of our communities. We're very Mm -hmm. separated. So secondary relations have to become primary. So one issue we're struggling with is how do we get these churches to critical mass? I don't even know exactly what critical mass is, but I know when it isn't. And so we're, we're saying it's about five to six units is critical mass. So that could be five to six family units. Seems to be a good critical mass. And then the other thing on this is we don't emphasize... Me, me,
0: critical mass meaning for sustainability? Sustainability, yeah.
1: Well. Right. And, and we're concerned with when we're less than that. Because what we're tending to average on the lower generations, the third and fourth, mm-hmm. we're tending to be more like five, eight, in a in a church, okay. and that's really not going to be where we want to be. So we're trying to solve this problem. Yeah. And so here's here's an interesting thing that um, I think we're dealing against a worldview issue, and the worldview is our individualism. So we've just made recently a little correction on this. Um, when we meet in church now, instead of asking, and you'll hear this very often, you'll hear you'll hear it right here in this church. People will say, the this says to me. Yeah. Uh So we just changed our language when we're studying Scripture that they have to ask a we question. What does this say to we, the church? Mm -hmm. And then what will we, the church, do this week? So we're actually made Mm -hmm. two little changes just recently. Mm -hmm. So when we interpret Scripture, we're asking a we question. Mm -hmm. When we ask about going out to share or go out in the community, what will we as the church do? And what we're trying to do is come up against that worldview issue of the individualism, so right. that we're not going this. This is what it says to me, yeah. um, which is good. But we, what do we need to do? And mm-hmm. we're so we're taking little things, trying to make corrections there. So we're seeing some good mm-hmm. first, second generation get to critical mass, but we're concerned we're up against a worldview issue, and and that can that's not only just Anglo. That mm-hmm. that can be any second. Third generation, anybody who's here yeah. adopts the American worldview very rapidly. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyhow, I'm just being candid and honest that we're we're wrestling yeah. against that. So pray for that. But we're we're searching, trying to figure out how do we make secondary relationships mm-hmm. become primary, and people take the responsibility to reach them yeah. that whole sphere of influence with the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: Man, these are fascinating stories. I know it's just a, just a small sliver of. of of what's going on out there. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm really thankful for, for, for you and many of the guys that I've been uh, connected with that's been involved in your training and things of that nature is, is not only a desire to, to reach unreached people groups, but, but within mature established churches, churches that have mm-hmm. mature structures, organizations, uh, to, to love on the body of Christ mm-hmm. and to, to help them be engaged in sharing their faith, even mm-hmm. if it's not cross-culturally. Um, you guys have that heart to see churches birthed out of the harvest, uh, but not only that, you guys have a heart for church health, and mm-hmm. and I think that is a piece that oftentimes uh, gets overlooked in in our mm-hmm. conversations today on church uh, multiplication. And that is uh, sometimes we get wrapped up in the numbers, yeah. and we don't think about about the quality, the health issues, yeah. and um, and so we, we we want to reach them, but we fail to teach them and so yeah. I, i'm hearing you guys are are pushing on both reaching and teaching that's a good good thing so yeah jeff um people want to find out more about you about what you're doing find out about your training things of that nature you got a website or something that we can yeah out there?
1: it's a number four and fields.net um and that'll have a link uh directly to us and everything we have we give away so we've um uh, Nathan and I wrestled over this years ago we chose not to copyright things and to give them away mm-hmm. so our, our our goal was to give everything away so anything we have we want to give it away we give the training away we give our materials away and then we try to put videos anything we can do to help so we, we just want to give it away for mm-hmm. the kingdom uh, until there's no place left for the gospel
0: man that's great so for those of you that were listening that's his website is the number four F-I-E-L-D-S for fields.net. Jeff thanks so much uh, for being here today brother and be careful on your journey back to Booger Holler uh, tell Granny Clampett I said hi on the way there Will do <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks brother Thank you You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne and if you'd like to check out more books posts and podcast episodes visit J.D. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.